everyone. It's Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Curl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. We're going to talk today about the power of turning outward, getting outside ourselves and living an others-focused life. In our modern American culture, this can be much easier said than done. We may have great intentions about living an outward-focused life, but in the busyness and the distraction of our culture, it's very easy to forget about the needs of those around us, forget about the causes that are on God's heart, and just be caught up in our own things all the time. I remember a few years ago walking out of a grocery store in California, and I was with Eric, and we were confronted by these women who represented Greenpeace, and they were so passionately talking about how they were trying to raise millions of dollars to rescue these whales in a certain area of the ocean. I think there were like 20 humpback whales that needed to be rescued. And these girls were really just willing to give their life for these animals. In fact, they had spent their entire Saturday, I remember driving back by that same grocery store about six hours later and they were still there petitioning people for money and signatures and passionately talking about this cause that they had taken up and it was saving 20 whales. Now, while I'm not against saving whales, I began thinking about the causes that are even more important to God that we as Christians should be passionately fighting for. And that experience caused me to start wondering what would happen if I started standing for vulnerable children with the same kind of devotion as those Greenpeace ladies put into saving those humpback whales. It was a challenge to my soul, really. I was I was grappling with the question, how passionately was I willing to fight for the causes that were on God's heart? Was I willing to get out of my comfort zone and pour out my life for the week? Not just in ways that were convenient and easy, but in ways that required personal sacrifice? Was I willing to not just shake my head at the suffering around the world, but to take up their cause as my own? One of the most convicting scriptures on this is in Proverbs 31. It says, open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. This is a very proactive command. This isn't just wait till a need comes to your doorstep and then respond to it. This is go out of your way to be an advocate for those who have no one to speak for them. And that was a real challenge to my soul as I began to grapple with those words. Was I willing to open my mouth for the hungry, the oppressed, and the vulnerable lives all around the world? Now, Eric and I had been in ministry for many years, and we had gained a special heart for the vulnerable. But somewhere in the busyness of our lives, we'd let that burden fall by the wayside. We'd lost our passion to defend and fight and comfort and rescue the weak. We were even in full-time ministry and serving God, but we were missing a key part of the gospel, becoming Christ's hands and feet to the poor and the needy and the outcasts. This is a really common story. As modern believers, it's easy to just not really give a lot of thought or energy into rescuing orphans, considering the cause of and the needs of the, the modern-day slaves, people who are impoverished, people who are imprisoned. We may not mind doing a good Christian duty by going on a two-week mission trip every couple of years or maybe giving money to an orphanage fund in our church, as long as it doesn't inconvenience us too much. But very few of us are willing to fight for the cause of the vulnerable with even half as much passion and dedication as those ladies showed on behalf of those whales. The Bible describes a similar attitude in the people of Sodom right before God destroyed their city. In Ezekiel 16, it says, This was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, 
and abundance of idleness, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Every time I read that scripture, I get convicted because it's so easy to fall into that pattern of pride and idleness and abundance of our own things and forgetting about the needs of the poor and needy around us. When we become focused on ourselves and indifferent to the cry of the poor and needy, it's a serious thing in the sight of God. It's really sobering to realize that on judgment day, he will say to some of us, depart from me into the everlasting fire, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in, etc. That's extremely convicting. It's really living out our faith, not just believing all the right things, but putting that faith into action, saying, Lord, you've rescued me. Now turn me outward and make me a vessel of rescue towards others. Reese Howells, I've talked about him before. He was an evangelist in the early 1900s, and he described a life-changing moment when he was walking through his village and praying for a group of orphan children who had lost their parents. And he was praying along the lines of, God, be a father to the fatherless, quoting from Psalm 68. And immediately he felt God's spirit speak to his heart. I am a father to the fatherless through my body. You are my hands and feet. If I am to be their father, I must be one through you. And through that statement of God speaking to his heart, he grappled with the question as to whether he would be willing to actually take that group of children in and be their father. God did provide someone else to raise those children, but he brought Reese to a point of willingness. There was a similar moment that Eric and I walked through when our son Hudson was about four years old. We had been speaking on the phone to a missionary from Liberia, and as she described the state of suffering of that country and all the children that were in such deep need, we were stirred and even deeply grieved. I remember her saying, we need Christians to come and give their life for this cause. We have so many orphans and not enough hands and feet. She told us about a little four-year-old boy sitting on the side of the road and said, there are children all around us like him that we just can't reach. We don't have the resources, the space, or the staff. So this little boy sits there starving without anyone to comfort him, feed him, cover him, or house him. And no one would appear to even care. And we really cringed as we listened to her words. We felt bad for this little boy, but it was kind of like the grief that you feel over things like, oh, it's too bad that that happened in that other country or you know, when you hear rumors about human trafficking over on the other side of the world, you, you feel grieved, but it's hard to feel that really personal grief that can happen when it's affecting someone that you know and love. After that phone call, we were really heavy hearted with all the things that she had shared with us. And we even prayed for God to intervene on behalf of that little boy and all the other little children like him. But it was easy after that to go back to work as usual. But in the middle of that night, Eric woke up and his mind was filled with a picture of a little four-year-old boy sitting on the side of the road in Liberia with no one to help him. And God pressed a question into his heart. Eric, what if that little boy was Hudson? He was completely staggered by that question because even the thought of our son enduring such suffering and such loneliness was more than a parent's soul could really handle. He didn't even want to be thinking such a thought. And that question kept coming back to his heart. What if that little boy was Hudson? And without hesitation, he knew the answer to that question. If that abandoned little boy was Hudson, he would beat through every obstacle to reach his son. There would be no delays, no trifling with the petty cares of 
the home front of money issues or logistical issues, he would get on the first plane that would take him to Liberia. And if for some reason he couldn't go, he would call up every single person he could think of and beg them to go and rescue his son. And then God spoke to his heart again, Eric, that is my Hudson. And that was a life-changing moment. He sat there just grappling with that and saw something that he had never seen before. It was God's father's heart for that little four-year-old boy. It was as if God were saying, Eric, I'm calling on everyone who calls themselves my friend and saying, I have a son over in Liberia. I'll supply you with everything you need for the task, but I need you to get over there and be a father to him. And it was as if God were saying, I am looking for someone who is willing to feel what I'm feeling to go and do what I would do if I were on this earth. I am not there except through you. I am a father to the fatherless in and through you. Remember, you are my body. Now, if you want to know more about that story, you can check out our short film, Depraved Indifference, at BraveheartedChristian.com. It's a really powerful message centering around this moment of life change in Eric's life. But that experience completely revolutionized our perspective on sacrificial love. We recognized that we couldn't just rely on human capacity to love and care for the weak the way that Jesus does. We needed a supernatural impartation of his very heart. We asked for a love that would no longer say, I'll go this far and no further, but rather I will give up my very life to rescue even one of the least of these. We began to study what we started to call Christian heroism, the lives of Christian men and women who spilled their blood for the weak, not out of duty or obligation, but as an expression of the love that dwelled within them. And we asked for the courage to follow in their steps by God's grace. We began to study lives like William and Catherine Booth, Elizabeth Fry, Amy Carmichael, Corey Ten Boom, and Gladys Aylward, just to name a few. Those examples of laying down their lives for the helpless continued to call us to greater depths of sacrificial love. It didn't mean that we were supposed to literally jump on the first plane to Liberia, but that God wanted us to have eyes to see the need and a heart that was willing to drop everything in order to meet a need that God put right in front of us. When Jesus rescued us, it was not easy or convenient. It required far more discomfort and pain than we could possibly imagine. And when we become Christ's hands and feet to the weak, we need to realize that we may get dirty in the trenches and suffer pain just like he did. I've used this quote before, but as a reminder, in 1890, Catherine Booth wrote these words, It will be a happy day for England when Christian ladies transfer their attentions from poodles and terriers to destitute and starving children. Such a great reminder. Now, we don't necessarily get distracted by poodles and terriers, but there are a lot of other things that are just as trivial that can consume our time. Catherine reminded women that living for pleasure and filling their days with eating, drinking, dressing, and sightseeing, which were the fashionable things to do in that time, left no time to serve God and become his hands and feet to the poor and the outcast. We as modern Christian women can really benefit from this reminder as well. In many of our podcast episodes, we've talked about turning away from empty pursuits and pop culture distractions. But once we forsake these things, what should we be doing with our time? In addition to cultivating our relationship with Christ and serving those he has placed in our life, like husband, children, family members, friends, etc., we have also been commissioned to rescue and defend the weak and the vulnerable. This is not a special call for certain Christians. It's the byproduct of coming away with Jesus. This is what Jesus himself does. 
Listen to how he described the ministry that the Father had sent him to do. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then he tells us later in John 21 too, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. That is a very sacred calling that he's entrusted to us. And I always come back to that question, are we taking this calling seriously? Hudson Taylor wrote, It will not do to say that you have no special call to go to the mission field. With the command of the Lord Jesus to go and preach the gospel to every creature, you need to ascertain whether you have a special call to stay at home. Now, those are pretty strong words, and I would say that there can be a mission field anywhere that we are. It doesn't necessarily mean going overseas, but I do agree wholeheartedly that we are all called to build the kingdom of God proactively and sacrificially. So ask God to show you where and how how to start becoming his hands and feet to the weak. Though the need around the world is staggering, a lot of times he wants to cultivate sacrificial love within us by starting us with one. And that was really why he awakened us to that little boy in Liberia and imagine if that boy were Hudson because we gained his father's heart by focusing on one. And God then led us to adopt a little girl from Korea and that was the other one that he wanted us to start with. And through one step of obedience at a time, he began to work through us to become his hands and his feet to the weak. Now, God may not call you to adoption. He may not call you to be an overseas missionary to Liberia. There are countless ways he may lead you to lay down selfish pursuits to exchange it for a life of sacrificial love. The first step really is willingness, and the second is prayer. If you surrender your body, your life, your time, and your resources to him, you can be sure that he will open your eyes to the ways in which he desires you to become his hands and his feet to the least and the lost. Here's a quick list of some of the people who God is especially burdened for. The persecuted church, fatherless and widows, the impoverished, prisoners and slaves, the sick and the elderly, refugees and foreigners, the unborn, the unsaved. And if you look through scripture, you will see God's special heart for each one of these groups of people. Ask God to show you which of these areas, or maybe there's more than one, or maybe there are other areas that weren't mentioned in that list, but they're causes that are on God's heart. They're things that matter to God. Which of these things can you invest your time and energy into? Ask him to burden your heart with his heart and love for these precious lives. Ask him to open your eyes to the needs that are right around you and around the world. Now, as a reminder, serving the weak is not the only thing that we are supposed to do in our life. God does entrust us with many other callings, such as loving our husband if we're married, training our children, ministering within the body of Christ he's placed us in, practicing hospitality, encouraging younger women, being diligent in the work that he's given us to do, and so on. And we're not to neglect our families or other things that God has called us to just so that we can serve the weak, but we are called to live that lifestyle of outward focus and sacrificial love. So how do we do all these things and still embrace that lifestyle of sacrificial love? I'd like to offer you just a few suggestions. If you're married and you have a family and you're in that child-raising season of life, it's easy to see those years as a season built around soccer practice, play dates, homework help, and piano lessons. That's definitely a season of life that I'm in right now. And I have to constantly remind myself that these developmental activities are important, but we're called to train our kids to be ambassadors of the gospel. And that means teaching them to turn 
and outward, get outside their comfort zones, and to love sacrificially. So if you're a mom, I encourage you to ask God to show you ways you can get your kids involved in turning outward. Even if they're still young, you can find ways to help them learn to be Christ's hands and feet to the weak. As a family, we've studied the needs of the persecuted church around the world. Our kids have sent letters of encouragement to pastors who are in prison for their faith. All four of our children have been involved in preparing our home for different children that we've brought home through adoption. And they've all been involved in child sponsorship. These are just a few really simple ways that even when they were very young, they got involved in turning outward. I remember the first time we visited our adoptive children from Haiti, they were living in Haiti and we hadn't yet finalized their adoption, but we brought Hudson along, our oldest son. He was seven years old at the time and seeing firsthand the needs and destitution of an impoverished nation gave him just such an incredible understanding of the needs around the world. And it gave him a bigger vision for his life than maybe just playing with Legos and playing with his friends. And from that point, he really gained a heart to sponsor children around the world, pray for his sponsored children, send them special gifts, and really continue to maintain that focus on children in need. So even if you're a mom with young kids at home, there are a lot of ways you can be Christ's hands and feet to the weak. You have an amazing opportunity to demonstrate a lifestyle of sacrificial love to your kids by teaching them about the needs around the world and helping them become part of the true solution, which is Jesus Christ. Another suggestion is to work together with the body. And this is true whether you're married or single, whether you have kids or don't have kids, you don't have to take on the needs of the world by yourself. That is why God calls it the body of Christ. If you feel burdened about a specific area, talk to other like-minded believers about joining forces. Meet together and pray for God's direction as to how you can make an impact. Find out what other ministries may exist already in these areas and look for ways to come alongside of them and serve what they're doing. Even many local churches now have ministries to orphans, widows, refugees, prisoners, the elderly, and so on. So look for ways to join up with others in the body of Christ who are passionate about the burdens on God's heart. Remember that changing the world for Christ often starts with small, simple steps of obedience. But be sure that the steps you are taking are stretching you as far as God wants to take you. Be willing to venture outside your comfort zone. Each step of sacrificial love will expand your capacity to take on even bigger burdens for the kingdom of God and expand God's heart within you for the weak and the vulnerable. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to go deeper into this area, we have a lot of resources on our website, setapartgirl.com and on braveheartedchristian.com. Even if you have no idea where to begin, make yourself willing and available and God will show you what the next step is for you. There is such great power, joy, and fulfillment in living an outward-focused life. So begin to pray about what God would have you do to turn outward starting today. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.